welcome back to another episode of Full Time Football. We're joined by Nathan Connor tonight and Alistair Madden. How you doing, boys? Not bad at all, mate. Not bad at all. Ah, getting there, getting there. Um, I had to eat for Kelly at the weekend, but apart from that, it was fairly decent as weekends go, aye. Alistair's just eating his dinner as we're growing with us. What are you having, Alice? <laughs> I'm having a... I'm having... Fresh fish cakes from the fishmongers. There's a fishmonger who comes all the way from, is it Eli or something up Fifeway? He comes down and he he sounds the alarm and the village flocks out to go and pick up their scallops and their salmon and their fish cakes. So I'm devouring two fresh fish cakes, uh, garden peas and some carrots. I'm on a health kick. I've lost about eight pounds since uh, like about a month ago. So I'm, I'm feeling fantastic and I'm going to have a six pack soon, maybe. <laughs> oh, wonderful. <laughs> Right, we'll just batter into some of the games, but I just want to hit out with a stat I read today on Twitter. It was three years ago today, Rangers sacked Pedro Cachinha. GBNS. He he famously said that, saying um, the line, the dog barks and the caravan keeps going. And I just want to say, (laughs) I think he was talking about himself. He is the dog barking, making all the big shouts that was going to come up here and win stuff. And it was sacked, and the caravan does keep going because Rangers are looking fucking tremendous right now. Poetic, that's poetic. Uh, poetic. So we'll just start off with the Rangers game. That was the first game on Thursday night in the Europa League. They played Standard Liège in Belgium. Torres, did you see any of it? The only thing I've seen is Kemar's roof goal, but fuck me, what a strike that was. <laughs> it was it was, that. Uh, it was, a, it was it award winning. Normally, anyway. It was phenomenal. He's, de- he's definitely just went to body clear that, hasn't he? No, he's <laughs> no, no chance. No chance. <laughs> take a See, t- uh, t- obviously, you- you're going to say it as a Rangers fan, but see, even as a total neutral, I know that you've got your doubts, Toff, but I'm a total neutral as far as this goal is concerned. <laughs> and uh, honestly, everything about that goal is world class. And I think that's that's not even hyperbolic to say that. See, just the awareness, the sort of awareness that Stuart Armstrong could have been doing with all those years ago against England at Hamden, you know, and composure. It takes, you know, it, it takes the pressure off of his defence because, you know, not even 10 seconds before that, the, the Liege boy had a huge chance and fluffed his lines at the back post because of the rain, I think. But So, he takes the pressure off the defence. He has the presence of mind to kind of start to move forward a bit, but, but not just hoof it, which, again, could just have invited more pressure. Takes on three players, fantastic awareness again. And then he means it because you see a, you know, a split second before he hits that ball, you see him look up and he catches the goalkeeper off his line and he totally means it. The, everything about the goal, the celebration as well. I mean, I know he's trying to say, oh, his kids are named, names beginning with A&L, but it's, it's, everything about it is absolutely fantastic. You know what I found quite funny though? The fact that they've done A and an L was, does he think Anderlecht are two separate words? Because if he does then that's absolutely phenomenal. It's absolutely <laughs> but, shit house at the top It's level. fantastic. Nice things we love to see. What was your reaction when they go into off? You must you must have been going absolutely taunting. Mean, I was in my work. I watched the really? first half in my house before I left and yeah. I thought Rangers were pretty comfortable in the first half. I mm-hmm. thought mm-hmm. the only real chance they created was the one they hit the bar but um, I thought Calvin Bassey was outstanding when they came on for Barisic um, mm-hmm. but I was in my work when Ruth actually scored the goal and I was kind of just tidying up things I was about to go for my break and then I looked over and Ruth was celebrating and I was like fuck's happened here the game was done I thought and they were celebrating so I was just sitting waiting for the uh, the, 
the replay, sorry. And I was like, fucking hell, man. What a win. Yeah, I touched, running what up to win. boys and what, like, watch us, watch us, fucking mate, just do an <laughs> <laughs> it was, It was one of those goals that, right, see there and then, it's almost a shame. Obviously, there were fans, there were home fans to see it, but moments like that are what away days are all about. Absolutely, you know, without precedent moments that you'll probably never get to experience again. Can you imagine if Rangers fans had been in the Stade Maurice de Frasne on Thursday night and had experienced that goal? I mean, that would have been up there with probably one of the best moments, if not the best moment, that Rangers fans would have had following Rangers away from home. Um, certainly in terms of, like, within a match. Phenomenal, yeah. That's actually Gerald's first uh, away win in the group stage of the Europa League since he's came to Rangers. Is it? Seen that now, Ben Twitter. I would not have suspected that anyway, but I'm, I'm a bit surprised about that, to be honest. In the group stage, he sets his teams up so well in Europe. I think you do get managers like that who are just made for Europe. You know, Unai Emery, for example, loved the Europa League, didn't he? Um, <laughs> um, and there are managers, and I'm not saying that Gerard is a one-trick pony. I think you know we're seeing he's less and less of a one-trick pony, but. Certainly in Europe, he just seems to have that magic formula. He seems to be able to adapt his teams depending on the opposition. And again, the early signs are, you know, you, you look at that group as a whole, it's definitely doable for Rangers to go on. Benfica and left Poznan, the two other teams, um, definitely beatable. Benfica have obviously taught a few points out, I think, a couple of episodes ago. They spent a lot of money over the summer. The boy, Luka Volkschmidt, up front, signed from uh, the Bundesliga, is a great striker. But, you know, Rangers have great players that I think other teams would look at and think, oh, need to keep an eye on him. The likes of Ryan Kent becoming more and more consistent. I think the signs are there for Rangers to go on and have another um, really impressive Europa League campaign. Aye, definitely. I think that was the first time that team had lost in Europe in six years and teams like Arsenal and Ajax have went out there and struggled to beat them. So, definitely good plays. I thought there was actually a few chances Rangers could have scored as well. I think Arfield had one for the edge of the box. Morelos, I was I put in the chat. I thought he underperformed massively. He had two big chances. He should have squared one of them. Should have buried the other one. But uh, I thought that Kamal Rufko just put the cherry on the top because at 1-0 it was edgy. Like They had the chance just before. The ball goes into the box and the boy, I don't know what happens. He just he just misses the ball and doesn't get his shot away. But that could have been 1-8 out of a game that Rangers were comfortable for the 90 minutes. So it was good to win the 2-0 anyway. Uh, moving on to Celtic AC Milan Group H Celtic 1 AC Milan 3 Torres talk us through it better performance no <laughs> <laughs> on the call you scored a goal where you got a shot on target uh, it was a tough watch especially in that first half set out with the 3 5 two and it just didn't work First 10 minutes, 10 15 minutes, we showed a bit of promise, but then we just kind of regressed. And then I lured Milan into the game, and then soft goals conceded. They're all easily avoidable, but right now, every easy chance that Celtic seem to be conceding right now, and it's a bit of a concern. I've bloody jinxed Shane Duffy saying that he was the signing of the season. Can no nonsense defender, but the only thing that's can throw a nonsense is his fucking head. Oh, he's, oh. <laughs> uh, he's lucky that there's no other centre back right now because I think he'd be dropped. See, the thing, is, 
Do you know what strikes me about the Shane Duffy signing, right? And forgive me if I am being overly critical here. I don't think it's possible to be over critical of him because he's been abhorrent in the opening few games. Um, but it strikes me as a boy who is well, he's a Celtic fan, isn't he? So it strikes me as a boy who. Obviously, a couple of years ago, he was almost an ever-present in that Brighton team in the top flight. And then last year, I think he had about 19 appearances in the league. So, you know, his chances were becoming fewer and further between. And he was perhaps sensing that, particularly this year, with the boy, um, like I forget his name, he'd come back in from Leeds. Name completely uh, escapes me now. But he was perhaps maybe sensing that at Brighton, he wasn't going to have the same chances this year. So he thought he would come up to Scotland, much the same way as Joey Barton thought he would come up and it would be an easy ride of it. Shane Duffy, maybe, maybe I'm... Thinking too much about Shane Duffy, perhaps thought he'd come up here and he'd ease to 10 in a row and it'd be an absolute party and he would love it and the fans would love him and he'd be a cult hero. But it could, that could not be further from the reality because he looks out of shape, I think it's fair to say. He looks positionally so naive. He looks a mile, two, three, four, five miles off the pace and the amount of times that he's caught, he looks so uncomfortable um, when players run at him. It's like as if He's actually a centre-forward who's been told, right, we've got so many injuries, you need to play at the, back, at the back. Because every aspect of his game that should be good as a seasoned Premier League defender uh, and an international at that as well is missing. I don't know what it is, but he is a real weak link in that Celtic team. And teams will be looking at him. And I mean, we saw the Aberdeen game as well. I, I didn't catch a lot of it, but this, it sounded to me as if he was, he was, he was suspect again. And it would quite ironic if Shane Duffy was uh, the man who handed um, the title that stopped 10 in a row to, to Rangers and you know the amount of mistakes he's making it, it, it could potentially happen but I don't, I don't know what your thoughts are on that Torres you must see him and, and really be concerned every time somebody goes near him or am I I'm overthinking that there? No I do agree with your point he does look out of shape I think he looks like he could lose at least a stone he's extremely slow sluggish in his positional sense I mean see that third goal for AC Milan he had an absolute shocker there he'd, he'd the boy no had idea. COVID. didn't want to get anywhere near him <laughs> he was socially distancing but the, the boy just snuck in behind him and as an international centre half playing for Celtic in Europe that's just unacceptable see to, be fair, see to be fair though I mean well, you've, you've seen it there I'm, I'm a huge critic of Duffy's but I think that third goal was more a byproduct of Celtic pushing for the equaliser rather than himself. I'm, I'm, I'm not saying that he's totally um, without blame. He's totally blameless. But I think that was more. It was. I mean, the young boy comes through. The young Norwegian lad, wasn't it? Um, who they signed after playing Bodo Glimt in a Europe League qualifier. That's quite a nice story. That until uh, you know all the COVID stuff came out. But it's it's just it's. I think that's more a byproduct. That for me was probably the least worrying aspect of the ninety minutes on Thursday night was the goal that they conceded at the end. Um, it was what preceded it that was more worrying. That goal was almost inevitable when you were pressing up against a, a Milan side that I'm just so full of confidence just now. They just no. have that winning mentality. But I totally agree. I think Duffy is a real weak link in that Celtic defence. And Toff, you must be sitting there hoping that Celtic don't bring in somebody else or there's no some young centre half waiting in the wings, uh, waiting to dislodge Shane Duffy from that starting lineup because he is an absolute, probably Rangers' best player so far this season, to be honest, to, to use. <laughs> To use part of your dad would be proud of. <laughs> I've seen people on Twitter calling for uh, when Julian was going to come back in the team and it was like, this was like two months ago people were calling for Duffy to come in and Julian to go out of the team. And there's people who want them to swap it. That doesn't but, seem very near either because he's away in Germany seen a back specialist apparently. So it's just back that, 
He's back still spooked by Lyndon Dykes and Nicky Kabamba. <laughs> if that's the answer, then I don't know what the question is at Celtic, by the way. Nah, I, I honestly think the, the likes are, I think Beaton walks into that team right now. I think he's probably our most compo- composed centre-half. Maybe, to be honest, Ayers been playing really well the last few games. I thought he was our best player on Thursday. Uh, yeah, again, arguably our, one of our best players on Sunday. For someone that was apparently wanting away, he's shown a lot of heart and a lot of desire. So I can't really fault him for that. But just a really poor, poor game in Thursday. There was... A bit more positives when we changed the four at the back and then we got the equaliser and we're starting to ping the ball around really, really well. And it, obviously, we caught us in the counter in 3-1. I don't think there's much shame in losing to a team like AC Milan, but like the four. Nah, no, well, especially so. right now. I think we're, are they exactly. unbeaten in Serie A still? Or they... Yes, still unbeaten. They're playing Roma tonight. I think it's just kicked off. I was trying to check the score there, but my phone's playing up. Um, but they're unbeaten and certainly post-lockdown, Stephen Football came back post-lockdown, only Real Madrid had a better record than AC Milan in the top kind of five leagues in Europe. So, and, and they strengthened as well over the summer. Sandro Tonali, I don't know what you guys thought of him, but he's kind of rated as one of the next big things in, in Italy. Phenomenal player uh, already for someone so young. But no, I, there's no shame, as you say, Torres, in losing to this Milan side at the moment. And Celtic, it will not get any easier for them. I don't know, Toph, if you were what, look, going to look ahead to the, the fixtures coming up this uh, coming week uh, in Europe, or, or is that on the agenda? I don't want to jump, uh, jump the gun too much. All right, okay. I'll get, I'll get quite a few tasty wee comments to make there, so I'll, I'll can, I'll can, I'll restrain myself for the time being. <laughs> I just put Celtic in a bit of an uphill struggle for the start, and it losing their first home game to AC Milan, but it was, it was a tough game to be fair. But we'll move on to the the Scottish football action this weekend. Uh, we'll just go through the games Saturday and then go into Sunday's games. So. Ali, since you're here, we'll start with Kilmarnock nil, Hibs 1. What did you think of it? I thought it was pretty much a, an even game. Both teams kind of lacked a clinical edge, but gave yeah. it decided in that penalty. Yeah, I, think I would totally agree with that, Toph, mate. Um, I don't think either side deserved to take all three points, if I'm being honest. Uh, I don't think either side deserved to lose. I think it's the sort of game that, but for a quite comical refereeing decision, um, it finishes 0-0 and everybody kind of walks away fairly content and enjoys a Saturday night and that's all it said about it. I don't think it was one that if you'd paid money for it, you'd be terribly happy. I don't think it's the sort of game that if you'd been there in person, you'd have been particularly um, buzzing. I just think it was a nothing game. I think that was probably heightened by the fact that when the fans aren't there, we are seeing quite a few games like that. We're seeing kind of two ends of the spectrum. These mental like eight, nine goal thrillers and we're seeing kind of boring kind of almost non-matches and I think this falls into the, the latter category but no it's, it's nothing to be concerned about as a, as a Kelly fan to be honest Hibs will beat most teams um, outside of the old firm in Aberdeen this year I think it's fair to say and yeah that, nothing too, too worrying as far as I'm concerned And are you concerned about the disciplinary action that's coming your way? Well I mean I've made my feelings known about Neil Doncaster and I'm not going to I'm not going to ran on a podcast because I don't think it's the right forum to do it. Um, I, I do think that it's a case of they're looking for a scapegoat, they're looking for somebody to come down hard on. But the, the issue is if they hand out a forfeiture for Kilmarnock, they make 
a proverbial rod for their own back, to use a cliche. The minute that they hand out a forfeit there, then that means that for the rest of the season... Can you imagine, hypothetically speaking, we come down to the last two weeks of the season and Rangers and Celtic are neck and neck, and it turns out, wait a minute, there's been, you know, a, a COVID case and Celtic or Rangers can't play their game, and Doncaster, because of the precedent that he would set now if he hands out a forfeiture to Kilmarnock, has to say to Celtic or Rangers... You need to forfeit that game. And because of that forfeiture, Rangers or Celtic then either lose 10 in a row or lose the opportunity to stop 10 in a row. Can you imagine the carnage? We had enough um, kind of talk about asterisks and tainted titles when when the season ended early. We had enough talk about tainted titles when Rangers weren't in the league. Can you imagine if the defining moment of this, what the last decade is essentially leading to, is decided by a technicality? There would be outrage. And I think... Doncaster has to tread very carefully here. He has to, obviously, if there has been wrongdoing, which, as far as I'm aware and as far as I have been told, there was no wrongdoing whatsoever. Kilmarnock followed the protocols by the by the book. So, as far as I'm concerned, there was no wrongdoing. But if in the event that Doncaster and his, his cronies, I think it's fair to, to describe them as, decide that, oh, there was, and they kind of bend the interpretations to bring the hammer down in Kilmarnock and they hand out a forfeiture, then they are making a huge rod for their own back. I think... It's the sort of thing that it's, I, I don't think they will hand out a forfeiture. Touch wood, you know, I'm touching my dining table now. But if they do, I think there'll be a backlash, not just from Kilmarnock, but from clubs across the country, I think it's fair to say. I think it would be a bit unfair to hand out a forfeit regarding the likes of the Aberdeen 8 and then the ball and goalie kind of scandal. So I think they've kind of set the precedent with that and surely it'll just be a fine or something along those lines. But yeah, but even that, that, that's a bit stupid to find someone for. It's a virus, it's easily transmittable. Exactly. It's that's, the thing. Some... that's the thing. See, when you think about it, like these players all have families, a lot of them have kids going into school and stuff. It's inevitable that people are going to catch this virus, unless you're operating at the most elite level, like so the Bundesliga and stuff, where they had literal bubbles, or like the NBA, when they were all down in Florida and they were all kind of, you know, in their. Um, in their bubble down there. You're going to get... This isn't elite-level football. This isn't elite-level sport. There are going to be people going into the supermarkets who somehow catch it. There are going to be kids who bring it into their dads or who bring it into their mums who then visit the dads who are playing football. That's going to happen. And Doncaster needs to accept that. I don't see why we're blaming people. Alec Dyer made the point that we should be supporting clubs rather than trying to play a blame game. And I totally and wholeheartedly agree with them. And I don't think that is a controversial take on my part. And on your part, part as well, Torres, uh, at all. I I think even like the structure of like the fines, like I know like you're only maybe talking about twenty grand and stuff like that, but like in this current situation, like I just think it's ridiculous to even find teams for it. Like as you said, like it's a virus, it's kind of uncontrollable to some extent. So teams are doing the best they can. Obviously, incidents like Bolton Golly and Aberdeen eight that was very early on and. We kind of discussed that, but at this stage now, unless there's some clear, like, he's having a party, like, Aye. Kelly boys are all having a party, and <laughs> are there and everything. <laughs> that is absolutely not happening. That is not happening. <laughs> but, like, except for that, I just think it's ridiculous, like, even finding people for it. Aye. Uh, it- the idea of forfeiting games and giving points to teams, like, I wouldn't even want to see Celtic forfeit games and give points away because if Rangers are going to win the league, I'd, I'd want to win the league with no asterisks. Uh, uh, asterisks, can't even say that word. Absolutely tough, though. I, 
I think nobody wants to win a game on a technicality like that. People want to win the game by scoring more goals than the other team. I know that's a proper Michael Owen comment to make, but <laughs> it's true. I mean, see if I've gotten away there, right? And we're about to roll up to Tynecastle, and it turns out that Hearts have done something illegal. Well, it wouldn't be Hearts this year because they're not the same league as us, but uh, like Dundee United have done something illegal before an away day at Tannadice. Just play the game. I'd rather play the game and win it. I, I don't want really, to... I don't want to get the train back, albeit um, you know maybe a, a few more pints deep. Get the train back. I, I want to go to the away day. I want Chris Burke to score a header as one of the weakest guys in the park, and I want that. I want that elation. I think is the word for it that only an away day can provide. I don't want a technicality. It can't give me the same happiness and joy. And Neil Doncaster will ruin happiness if he continues with his um, kind of arbitrary ways. There you go. There's, a, there's the headline, Neil Doncaster will ruin happiness. And on that note, we'll move on to the, the high-scoring game Saturday, Motherwell versus County. And he's watched the highlights for that game? I watched the highlights literally when I came in from my run earlier. Bloody, what a game Tony Watt had, by the way. Absolutely all over the place. His goal, his, his finish from the first goal was sublime. Got in front of the centre-half and what a finish. It took Thank me a few you. watches of that to actually see if he touched it. I couldn't actually tell if it was an on goal or something. <laughs> it, it, ha- it happened that quickly, but some take, and I think he's finally starting to find his feet there. So I think he won a penalty, and did he get an assist as well? I think he was arguing on Twitter about having two assists instead of one, but I didn't look that far into it. Do you think he's time. a player that deserves to be at the top level in Scotland? Do you think he's good enough to be a main man for one of the top six sides? I don't see why. Yeah. I don't see why not, to be honest. Obviously, he scored against Barcelona, and in a way, that probably worked in a negative way for him and kind of set him back because he was in cloud, cloud nine and he had the world at his feet. And then you see, he basically became a journeyman and went to, was it Belgium, then the lower leagues in England. And he's obviously found his way back up here. Yeah, I think uh, Tony Watt, when you listen to his interview, he sounds like the sort of player who, with a coach who can man-manage him in the right way, would excel. And I think he's the sort of striker who just needs, almost like the sort of coach who'll put an arm around his shoulder and who will back him to the hill, you know? I think, obviously, he's been involved with Scotland setups, and as you say, Torres, he's Fair play to him. He's, he's gone elsewhere, particularly to Belgium, I think, on a couple of occasions. He's on loan at Liège, was he not? And then he went to Leuven as well, I'm pretty sure. And oh. he's, he's he's obviously developed. I mean, he's no longer a wee boy anymore. Uh, he's, he's, he's a big guy who is kind of at that stage now where it's not make-up. You could argue the make-up-break stage was, was even before now. But at Motherwell, and if you count Motherwell as a top-six club, which probably... Invariably, they probably are. I think it's fair to say he's found a home there. You know, it's not too far away from, uh, you know, Central Belt, and he's obviously based Central Belt. And he's, I think, if if he can stay at Motherwell for for a while and for a couple of seasons, he could really become a huge player for them. I hope he doesn't move on. I hope he doesn't come into. Oh, obviously, I want him to come into a good run of form. I think he's a a great guy. I'm always really impressed with him when he speaks. Um. And I hope he doesn't come into a run of form at Motherwell, which then um, intrigues, shall we say, bigger fish in the sea. And then he then um, takes the bait, so to speak, and, and goes to a, a bigger side. Um, 
because I think if he stays at Motherwell for a year or, or two more, he can really go from strength to strength there. I think he's Motherwell are the sort of club that their fans are fantastic. If they can get, I mean, look at some of the players that have played for them in the past, like the boy Higton, for example. Higton, you know, the fans loved him. If, if I'm not saying that Tony Watt would emulate him, but if he can go and he can score goals for them and he can put in a shift, which I think he will do when he has a manager who supports him, then the Motherwell fans will absolutely adore him. And, you know, they're the sorts of fans who, home and away, will fully support him, they'll sing his name. I think that's what Tony Watt needs. I think he needs love and affection, you know. And I think if he gets that, I know it's difficult now when the fans aren't in the grounds, but if he gets that from the coaching staff at Motherwell, from his teammates, and then when fans are eventually allowed back in, if he then gets that from the fans as well, I can't see why Tony Watt couldn't go on, honestly, and become, you know, at least a 10-goal season striker, if not 15 goals a season. I know that might sound like a hot take, but honestly, I think that is possible with the right levels of support there. No, I think we've seen when he first broke onto the scene with Celtic and that, he's, he does definitely have a goal-scoring touch. There's no doubt about it. He is a finisher. It's just obviously getting him in the right mindset to perform the way that he should, he should and could do. And I think that's what Motherwell can provide him. And I really hope he does well, because I do really have a soft spot for him. Yeah. I think he's the sort of guy who he just wanted to. I don't know I don't know what it is about him. And there's no reason for me to kind of want him to do well, other than I just kind of like how he is as a guy, to be honest. And I hope he does, as you say, Torres, go on and have a good season and a couple of good seasons after this as well. That was actually Motherwell's first game in almost a month with uh, a few postponements due to COVID. Do you think that's uh, that's Motherwell of last season back, four goals? I don't know if it's Motherwell of last season completely back. It's certainly a good positive sign. You don't win 4-0 four, four um, you know, without playing well, obviously. It's another Michael Owen comment. Who's Michael Owen calculator? Because that's two already. Um, <laughs> but I think it's, it's more an indication of how shite Ross County are, I think. Um, and I'm not saying that to take away from Motherwell. Totally, they deserve all the, the Ross credit. County listeners will be absolutely bailing right now. I know how all 17 of them and the yeah, but no, honestly, I I think it's it's worrying for Ross County. And it, it, I remember at the start of the season, they obviously blazed onto the scene with kind of I think two wins and a draw, early doors, and they looked as if they were going to well, to the casual observer, they looked as if they would maybe go on and have a good season, but they're they're in real danger of being sucked into that relegation battle because not only are they not picking up results, but the performances don't really offer too much cause for optimism either, as far as I'm concerned. I think Good, it's I'm gonna, not a fan of Ross County, they can rot away at the bottom of the league. It's, it's probably going to come down to the six-pointers against the likes of Levy and possibly St Mirren and and such because I don't I mean, see them taking against St Mirren St Mirren have been just about every week these days aye they're calling off every, they, they every take, week right now they're taking it in turns to contract the Covid aye <laughs> right, we'll just move on to the, the thrilling game of Saturday now St Johnston nil, Dundee United nil. no oh don't I was watching the highlights yesterday absolutely horrible watch see, no don't aye see for the, all that Celtic Aberdeen was a brilliant advert for Scottish football. See, anybody who was thinking about investing in an advertising or a broadcasting rather package for Scottish football, see if they watched that game, they would take their money elsewhere. They'd probably put it all in red down the casino. But to be honest, because you probably have a better chance of a return for your money. 
if you're basing every game on that one. Jesus Christ. St. Johnston, it just makes that 5-3 win against Hamilton and then the win over was at breaking as well in the League Cup look all the more kind of bizarre and incongruous. How on earth have they managed this? It shows you how bad Hamilton are, but Jesus Christ, it's just dreadful. I think McDermott Park is a magnet for honking games of football as well. That pitch isn't, I know it's, you can't, I can't criticise any pitch as a Kilmarnock fan and we don't actually have grass at all, but the pitch, um, you know, dreadful. And it just reminds me of awful, even when the old firm go there, they never seem to play, apart from that wonderful goal that Celtic scored that was the goal of the season, I'm pretty sure, a few years ago, and there's about 13,000 passes in the build-up. But um, every game of football at McDermott Park just seems to be a, an absolute bog fest and there's no real quality there. It's as if, you know, like, they've just plumped, uh, I'm, I know I'm being totally disrespectful. St. Johnson are a great club who have done great things in, in recent history. Totally deserve credit for that. But whenever I think of McDermott Park, I think of awful games of football. And this game against Dundee United was the embodiment of that. Honestly, dreadful football. And there'll be other teams like Kilmarnock, like um, Ross County, like St. Martin, who have similarly dreadful games of football. And I get that. But this one, Jesus, if, if, you, if you brought an alien down from Mars and said, watch this game of football, we're going to sit down, you know, St. John's were a night go thriller last time out, Dundee United have got, you know, Big Lawrence Shanklin, they've got a few exciting players, let's let's see how this one goes, alien, but uh, how is this sport watched by millions and millions of people around the world, not necessarily this game, but the sport, uh, no chance I'm going back to play, I don't know, golf or something, but genuinely dreadful game of football, and again, cause for concern, or new cause for concern at St Johnson. they're just not scoring goals that game against Hamilton and that game against breaking aside well I do try and find the positives every game but I was struggling watching the highlights of this one but it's done the United's second clean sheet in a row but I don't think that was to do with them defending well I think it was just to do with how bad St Johnson were going forward uh, yeah. Dundee United's attempts at goals I think they had two in the first half that were for about 35 yards yeah. it was just oh, it was terrible See if you've got two dogs with no teeth biting each other, they're not going to do any damage. And that's what this game is like. We're both toothless. They we're both... Um, it's, it's just strange. And I think... I don't know. Yeah, totally agree with you, Toph. Emblematic of uh, wider, wider issues at both teams, I think. Right, well, let's please move on from that horrible picture. <laughs> uh, we don't really have much to say about St Mum Hamilton because that was postponed. St Mum and our game postponed. So we'll move on to Sunday afternoons. Thriller on Sky Sports, three each between Aberdeen and Celtic. Torres, talk us through how you're feeling. Three games, again, Celtic haven't won. I, again, it comes down to absolutely brutal first half. Didn't, didn't challenge or test the keeper at all. And then, would they concede a penalty in Cham? I think Ferguson takes a bit of a dive, but he gave them the op- opportunity to go down. And in this day and age, the ref was probably in his right mind to give it from where he was watching it, but still a bit scunnered with it because it was a bit soft in my eyes. But he gave him the decision at the end of the day. Then, I, don't think, I do think Ferguson went down soft, but I do think it was a definite penalty. Like, just and Cham got into the back and he's got his hands all over him. His left leg goes into the back of Ferguson. It's just clumsy. No, nah, it's just clumsy. clumsy. As Fergie once said, the girl can't help it. She's clumsy. <laughs> That's a phenomenal cultural re- reference. That Torres, you should appreciate that more. That was phenomenal. I can't. Believe- You're just sitting there indifferent there. That was absolutely. Sick. I've just. No, I, I've joined back in there halfway through the conversation because I just went to go and get a wee tin of innocent gun. 
And honestly, that just came to me like a message from God, and I've reproduced it. So hopefully, the listeners enjoyed that. <laughs> what did you think, Boris, when you seen the starting lineup and you seen the four three three? Like, obviously, we've been on here, and we've seen a lot of people on Twitter talking about like they've been calling for to go four at the back. No Scott Brown in the starting lineup. Rogic starting. No barking ass. <laughs> See, in all honesty, I was happy with the lineup because I, I thought the way Rogic played on Thursday when he kind of played himself into contention. And to be honest, I'd prefer in Sham in a central midfield role rather than being shoehorned into a 10. Because in my eyes, in Sham's not a 10. And I think Rogic pl- proved his worth because some of his passes during that game were. Utterly filthy, and obviously he got two assists. And I thought he was he was good, but he was not as good as he could be. But again, couldn't really argue with the team. We're kind of stuck with that back four right now. Only person that we could really change out would be Waxell and Greg Taylor. But again, Waxell seems to be playing well right now, so I couldn't really argue with it. I think it's just like just a case of weathering this horrible. It, it is a storm that Celtic are kind of suffering. So I think it's just a case of when the fixtures do turn a bit more favourable for them, and then kicking on ahead with this formation, obviously that he's he's used on Sunday. Do you think it's a case of just kicking on and not putting this behind Celtic because they they need to learn from it, they need to realise what the mistakes were and where they went wrong but do you think it's just a case now of Celtic kicking on and you know putting the, putting the games behind them yes and no I think they need to work in actually instructing the players and what they actually want because there's times during the game that I'm like these players either don't care or don't really have a clue how their system works yet and mm. it's frustrating to watch because I know they're all very good players but they're just not clicking right now. And I know, obviously, we've been unfortunate with the likes of the injuries to Forest and obviously all the COVID cases yeah. have kind of wiped out our whole defence, effectively, by a few. But uh, as I say, it was either... I think if he'd lost, he might he would have been right in the firing line to get sacked, probably, to be yeah. honest. Because... As I say, body losing three games in a row, no no matter if it's the old firm, Macy, Milan and then Aberdeen, it's still a fucking disaster. But uh, you do wonder though, like if, if, if they were to sack Len and now I think it would be um not short well, short sighted, I know that Len hasn't exactly been convincing so far this season, but I, I think it would be short-sighted because if you were to bring in a new manager now, yes you can get a new manager bounce, but it could also go horribly wrong. And this, of all seasons, is, is not when you want to be meddling, shall we say, um, with destiny. I know that sounds quite melodramatic, but this is, you know, how many other times are we going to see Celtic having the chance to record a historic 10th title in a row, right? But we, maybe maybe our generation won't ever see that. I don't know how it's going to, how it's going to go. But anyway, and for Celtic to sack Lennon, as poor as they were against Rangers and his... I don't think they were that poor against AC Milan. I think it was up against better opposition. And it's, but then as sloppy as they were against Aberdeen at times, I don't think now is the time to be sacking a manager, particularly given the climate, the fact that we're in the middle of a global pandemic. It just makes it all the more difficult to sack a manager and bring in somebody new. 
And I know that maybe as a Celtic fan, it can be a bit frustrating, as you're saying. It can be a bit um, difficult to keep your patience with Lennon when at times he does look totally, not lifeless in the touchline, but relatively lifeless, because we're so used to Lennon being a ball of life and doing the aeroplane celebrations across the centre circle. But he does at times look a wee bit devoid of ideas, but I still don't think now is the right time for Celtic to pull that trigger because I don't. I, what, what are your thoughts? Who would you want to bring in in the event? Pedro Coutinho in... uh, available. If you're <laughs> no, that's that's a whole mm. argument. Like obviously, yesterday I was conceiving still, especially because we played quite poor in the first half, improved in the second, and got into the position of winning and conceded a last minute penalty, which was stupid, and then obviously get the draw. So. I was in a really fucking bad mood yesterday yeah. afternoon. And, mm-hmm. But at the same time, it's been the argument between me and the likes of McCann and that. Like, if you were to sack him, who do you bring in? And that's where it's all the whole, you're seeing all the Eddie Howes, but I'm like, that'd take time to implement his style of play and all that. And right now, we don't have time. So yeah. as you say, I think it's the case of kind of weathering it out. And I do think, it will come good again. It's just, I think it's just a kind of combination of everything kind of going wrong at the one time. Yeah. And just biting us in the arse, effectively. Aye. It's as if all the wee baby dinosaurs have woken up all at once and they're now screaming in Neil Lennon's ear and they can't concentrate on what formation or what players they should be playing and what changes they should be making as well. Because he, he does look a wee bit, uh, I don't know, a bit distant at times, does Lennon. Um, but we'll see. He's, he's got the chance to turn it around now. And I think he will turn it around. Whether that will, will be enough to kind of... Because Rangers obviously are, are playing fantastic. It's not like Celtic are playing poor and Rangers are also kind of quite mediocre. Rangers are playing brilliantly. I mean, that one against Liège away, fantastic. Toff, you made the point, but they, they had lost at home in Europe in six years. And I mean, you could say, it would, you know, that's... That's all very well and good, but still Rangers have gone there and got an excellent result. They've beaten Celtic back to back now. They're winning the games where previously they'd struggled, perhaps. I know they've drawn away at Livingston, but see that draw away from Livingston aside, they've been flawless. And and you can even say the draw away at Hibs. Most teams will go to Hibs and lose this season. Even Celtic, I think, will probably I mean, historically they have kind of struggled at times away at Hibs, not so much at home, but away at Hibs, it's been a difficult game for them. That's a that's a good point at Easter Road against a team who's gonna be challenging for third place. So I think it's, it's. I think Celtic will turn it around, but it's a case of all that be enough to then stop Rangers, who are looking rampant in the moment. We'll wait and see. Uh, it's a it's a key uh, learn from our mistakes, from obviously the old firm, and hopefully Lennon and the coaching team can figure out a way to nullify the way that Rangers are playing. Because Rangers play to disrupt us effectively, especially away from home at Parkhead. They, they did a number on us effectively. We knew exactly how we'd show up and play and we basically done nothing about it. We tried to do the three five two and it just plainly did not work. Just going back to the Aberdeen game, uh, there was obviously three penalties in it. We had a bit of a chat in the group chat about it the other day. What do you think about all of them? I thought all of them were penalties, but we'll start with the, the first one. We said kind of there, Ferguson goes down and Chan pushes him back, he's back. Uh, very, very, very clumsy for Sham. I think, obviously, we agree Ferguson did go down a bit easy, but he gave him the option to, which in the modern day is enough. So it, it was a, probably a pen, soft, but probably a pen. 
What's the second one again? Um, is it a Yeti or something goes down in the box? Nah, it's El Yanusi. El beats, is it Tommy Hoban to the ball? And then Tommy Hoban just kind of cleans him out. Yeah, I remember thinking that was a, a definite penalty as well. Yeah. And uh, now the, the big one that we were having a wee debate about. Um, so the ball comes back across and I think McLennan takes it by McGregor. McGregor clearly brings him down, which is obviously a foul, but there was a bit of a debate on how long Willie Collum took to give the penalty, whether or not he was given an advantage or not. What I like Torres. He's... I, no, because I, I do... I agree, it was a penalty, it was stupid for McGregor and arguably you'd be lucky, he's lucky he didn't get a second yellow because he'd had a few other kind of warnings for Willie Collum throughout the second half when he was on a booking and he committed a good few fouls so I was fully expecting him to get a red for like the torn up but that didn't happen but what I'm struggling to is in my head. I thought like you take the shot, and that like that's your effectively your advantage. You play on to basically strike at goal. Sam Cosgrove has a fucking howler. I don't know how he's fucking missed that, <laughs> but obviously he misses it, scuds the bar, and then he plays on. Uh, Willie Collum gives a penalty. That's what I'm struggling to to get my head around. Because I see when I was watching it like. If, if this was a Rangers game, I'd probably be swayed a little bit. I'm absolutely biased, but I was trying to watch it as a neutral, and I was kind of—I've watched it a few times, and like the ball falls to Cosgrove as McLennan goes down, and he's hit the bar. But like you're talking literally a second after Willie Collins blows the whistle. So was it a case of did he give the advantage, or was it a case that he was just trying to work out if he was given the penalty or not? I don't know, I'd love to be inside Billy Collins' mind, mind uh, not even just in a football game, just generally to see what's going on, um, because Good I find nonsense. him quite a wee, a, wee, a wee monkey with the syllables like that. No, he's, he's, not, he's not an RE teacher, so it's probably some kind of um, like verse for the Old Testament or something, I don't know. Yes, I'm he's not a fan of Billy Collins as a ref either, but I do think he got all three penalty shouts spot on. I'll be honest with you, I, I didn't watch them back too closely. I had it on, on the background. I know I should have, uh, as a diligent preparer before our podcast episodes, but um, I didn't pay too much attention. I just kind of went with it. Did what I shouldn't do and went, went with the masses and just said, aye, that, that's my opinion as well. So uh, forgive me, Father, for I have, I have sinned. Forgiven. Oh, thank you, Father. That's much appreciated. I just think uh, like an unobstructed penalty kick is much more of an advantage than to what the ball dropped to cause growth. There's a few boys in the line and stuff like that. But we'll move on anyway and we'll look ahead at the upcoming fixtures this week. So we've got two Europa League ties again, Rangers at home to late Poznan. We'll start there. Um, I think it should be another comfortable win for Rangers, to be honest. Because Absolutely. Clear favourites. I think the form we're in... There's just no debate that Rangers should go and take three points again in that group. Absolutely. Um, After Borok Stormer incoming, the holy goalie. He's a Liga Warsaw fan. He probably oh, is he? Yeah. Uh, fucking, I, 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 I thought you said I thought you said Warsaw. 
Fucking that's oh, my head up, man. I don't know, maybe I did. Uh, you're, you're, uh, in, you're inside Billy Collins' head, Torres, that's what your problem uh, is. I'm <laughs> fucking my head's full of nonsense and all, so um, he's probably in good company. <laughs> <laughs> he's probably, he's living rent free in your head, Torres, and that's what it's rather familiar. <laughs> <laughs> Anyway, um, no, Rangers, I think Rangers have a great chance of getting another three points. And then you've got six points out of six. You're you're absolutely flying in terms of confidence. I know, I know oh, it's just like poison. It, it won't, it, there are no easy, in inverted commas, games in the Europa League. But this is probably the easiest game that Rangers have at home to like poison. And certainly in, in the group stage, it's the most winnable game of, of them all. Uh, I fully expect them to... To go and, as you say, Toff just win it quite comfortably, three or four nil. Even, um, you know, we'll see how it goes. I was actually watching the Poznan and Benfica highlights. Uh, finished four two Benfica, and you know, Poznan actually went for it. To be fair, like everyone kind of suspects Benfica if maybe cruise this group, maybe Rangers to put up a challenge for it. But I don't think I heard any anybody say Poznan looked a good team, but they actually did. Go for it to be fair. The big boy up uh, front has got Ishak or something. He's scored two goals. He looks like a real number nine, but I think he'd be the only real threat, to be honest. I think Rangers defensively just look solid. So, yeah. Could be could be a fifth 2 0 victory in a row, hopefully. Absolutely. I think you would be a wise man to put money on that down the, the bookies, the bookmakers. And now on to the more challenging game in Group H. Leo at home to Celtic. I think Leo are joint top of League One yeah. at the moment. Yeah, I've watched quite a lot of Leo this season, Toff. Uh, really fun team to watch. Christoph Galti, the manager there, done an excellent job. Last season, was it the season before? Uh, oh, last season, it was last season. They kind of almost struggled because obviously they were in the Champions League, as I'm, I'm sure you all remember. Uh, and in the group stages, their, their league form certainly took a hit because they were trying to perhaps focus on the Champions League. And then by the time they were out of that, it was almost too late for them to focus on the league. And then the league was halted early and the table was decided as it was there and then, kind of in the spring. Uh, so they're a team who probably had the season been played to a close, but actually have been playing in the Champions League this year. I, I'm pretty sure of it. They have signed Jonathan David, who, or Jonathan David, to pronounce it in the English way but he's French speaking Canadian so technically should be pronounced Jonathan David and he um, he signed from Ghent big money 30 million they'd sold Victor Ossiemen to Napoli who I'm not sure if you guys have seen but he's doing a fantastic job there but anyway Ossiemen's replacement of sorts Jonathan David uh, has, has come in and he's only scored one goal I think so far but Another summer signing, Burak Yilmaz, the big Turkish boy, 35 years of age, is in phenomenal form, four goals in four games, and just looks like an absolute handful. Uh, so he's always taking the pressure off of Jonathan David and the fact he's not scoring. We are just, as you say, they're sitting neck and neck up the top of the league on with PSG. And the fact that as well, it's, it's in Lille. I can't see, I'm sorry to say it, Torres, but I can't see this as the game for Celtic to kind of get back on track. I could be totally wrong, but I just have a feeling that we'll, of course, the, the boy Renato Sanchez uh, certainly burst onto the scene at a very young age and they had that bizarre time at Swansea and post-Euro 26, a very good Euro 2016, he almost flattered to the sea, but he's now playing really well again. Uh, seems to have found a home in, in, in the north east of France and in all honesty, there are so many wee technical players at Lille as well. Jose Font, remember him from uh, Southampton? He's playing with, with uh, Leo and he's an absolute rock at the back for them. Maybe not quite as, he was never very mobile, but, you know, obviously age maybe starting to get 
the, the better of him, some might say, but he has been fantastic for them this season. They've looked brilliant. They, they drew with Nice uh, the weekend there uh, away, and I think it speaks volumes of their progress that we're actually disappointed with that. So in all honesty, I cannot see anything other than another really difficult game for Celtic. And it might well take the same, follow the same pattern as the Milan game. You know, we'll take the lead and then maybe add a second and Celtic get a goal back and there's a bit of belief there. And then Leo kind of expose Celtic as Celtic push for an equaliser in as a late goal. I would not be surprised to see a similar, if not exactly the same pattern of, of game. It'll be an interesting one regardless. I'm really looking forward to seeing how a team who have followed quite closely in France get on against a team who, you know, naturally I've, I've had to because there's so much coverage of them in Scotland. I've had to kind of follow. And yeah, I'm, it's a game I'm really, really excited for. In all honesty, it'll be, it'll be a good one. Yeah, you mentioned two strikers that they've got that uh, possible goal scoring options, but it was actually an odd boy that scored a hat trick as well for them, so they've definitely got uh, absolutely options in the squad anyway. Uh, I think they're yeah. unbeaten in Dyne or something in all competitions this year, so they're tough. Man. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I, I actually forgot to jump on to the Rangers Livingston game, but uh, Torres, I'll just ask how you're feeling about the, the Lille game coming up. So I guess Obviously, it's a good you can get out of. Yeah, you're talking about bloody. Worst case scenario for Celtic being in part one to get the group that they've had. It's an absolute stinker. Great games, great teams. If if we're able to go abroad to them, I'd be fucking delighted because I've always wanted to go to the San Siro. So it's a better pill to swallow that by the looks of it, we won't be able to get over. But... I think they won't Again. be at San Siro for much longer as well. So it would have been They're all teams that were easy enough to get to because you can, well, you can get the train to Lille. Obviously, it's not even that much further than London. You can fly to Milan, you can fly to Prague. You know, you've got games that are all easily accessible and you would probably quite easily get a ticket, to be honest, for them. Uh, but it was that way that of all the teams to get out of part four, again, Lille was probably the worst case scenario. Obviously, they're a very good team, unbeaten in La Liga. But I think every team bar Celtic's unbeaten in top of a league right now in that group. So no, they're, they're unbeaten in La Liga because they don't play in Spain. But I would. Uh, <laughs> I mean, they'll get the test of Barcelona coming up. For it. <laughs> uh, that's no, good, definitely, that's but it will be a good test. Billy Collins just living rent free in your head. They're Torres, and you're getting your. I don't even know what mistake I've made. Uh, I think I've just busted it. Willie Tom, Willie Thompson, Willie Collins. Uh, uh, he's uh, a broken man after these three games watching uh, Celtic lose. Yes. It just looks exhausted. I've spent all day in work fucking complaining. So <laughs> he's not taking that Celtic top off since old firm. He's absolutely stinking. Oh, it's, good <laughs> to see, it's good to see that you've not burned it yet. It's good to see you still <laughs> No, I, I've got faith. I think this could be a typical win and sets up and just plays for possibly a draw. Similar to the way that we played against, was it Ren last year? In the group stage, Ren were flying at the time. Yeah, we oh, were Ren finished team. above Leo and the uh, French League last year by one point. Ren didn't have the distraction of the Champions League, though. Um, we were a bit, a much bit, well, more consistent team, and there's more of a solid base to Leo than there is to Ren, in my honest opinion. Not to take away from Celtic's performances against Ren last year, they were brilliant, but I think that Leo this season will pose a tougher task than Ren last season, in my opinion. Aye, it's just going to be a tough game. All we can do is hope for the best. By the looks of it, Elhamed's back, so if he makes it through training and he's fit enough to play, I think he he might fill in at right back 
and they might even push Fring Pong further forward. Just because I think for a game like that away in Europe, I think you want a more defensively minded. Absolutely. Player. Absolutely. But we'll wait and see. But I'm not not expecting to go out there and beat well, but I'm not fearing them yet either, if you get me. If Celtic I think um, I think uh, if Celtic don't win on Thursday night, I don't think it's it's over yet anyway. I think no. the both legs against Sparta Prague, you'd look at that and think Celtic could get six points out of that. Um, so it does open the group back up, obviously, but I think in current form, it will be a tough one for Celtic. Absolutely. Absolutely. Um, I can't even believe that I forgot to talk about my own team on Saturday, uh, Sunday. I've, I've got the, my schedule mixed up here because I was going to fire through the Celtic Rangers games first, but I've, I've just bypassed it. Never even got to talk about Rangers top of league here. It was just too routine. It was just too easy for Rangers that it was not even worth your... Uh, time to talk about it. It was just so. Um, it's almost like a, a training drill for Rangers. Two early goals, uh, another clean sheet as well. Don't take anything away from it, but that's probably why you forgot it. To be honest, it was just, it was just that straightforward and, and routine for the Jers. I think um, obviously Livingston uh, at the Tony Macaroni and Livingston away from home are two different sides. But Absolutely. I think Gerard has learned his lesson a wee bit in what team he played against him because I remember Kamara played in the middle of the park in the Livingston game and he's talking to Tony Macaroni and like a game like that it's just it's pointless having a player like Kamara because he's he's not going to break down play and stuff like that. But from his starting lineup, he's put in um, Arfield and. Arfield, no, sorry, Arfield and Kamara were out and Davis and Aribo in, so that's two players that can break down play and get that final pass and it showed with the first goal where Aribo put Rangers 1-0 up um, mm-hmm. and Jermaine Defoe as well getting his 300th club career goal I thought Rangers were comfortable, never really had to go out of second gear because uh, they just started the game so well and it's been a common case this year, like Rangers have scored early in so many games this year and I don't have the stat on the top of my head but like the first half an hour in games, I just feel like Rangers have just just had the game won by then. Absolutely, yeah. Seen plain sailing it in a lot of those games. It's tough, I think it's fair to say, and I think that's a sign of how well Stephen Gerrard has this side drilled. I think you know why wait about no time like the present to get a game won, and then they're just on cruise control. I think it's fair to say. Um, it's, the signs are really positive because the earlier you can kill a game off, the earlier you can start to kind of um, preserve your energy reserves, I think it's fair to say. And it's going to be a long season for both sides of the old firm because there is relentless European games, or there are relentless European games coming up and they're going to need to rotate their squads. They're going to need to kind of um, not go, uh, you know, all guns blazing uh, for every single minute of every game. They're going to need to be sensible in how they use their squads and, the early signs are that Gerard seems to be managing that side of things well. It's the first time Rangers have won seven games on the bounce since 2009 as well. That's absolutely wild. That's some statistic. That was um, that's um, that's not including when we were down in League Two, but uh, I think that just shows what Gerard's done to this team. Um, I think we'll just stick with Rangers and jump on. Uh, the SPFL fixtures this weekend and then we'll finish off with the Scottish Cup semi-finals so Ali your team faced my team at Rugby Park 
Rangers have struggled over the last couple of years. <laughs> Rangers have only won one of the last five trips to Rugby Park. Are you feeling confident or are you fearing the worst? I'm not fearing the worst. I'm I'm probably being um, not optimistic. I'm probably being realistic in that Rangers are playing really well and no matter who Rangers were facing home and away, Rangers would probably, like, obviously in Scotland, I mean, Rangers would probably be the favourites. I think we're not playing too badly. We're unlucky, I think, at the weekend there against Hibs. As I said, I think a draw would have been a totally bang-on fair result. Uh, I think the difference as well, you talk about how Rangers have struggled in recent history anyway at Rugby Park, and I've got some fantastic memories tough, of being at Rugby Park and seeing uh, Eamon Brophy and, and, and Chris Boyd and the likes scoring. The yeah, well, I know you can't say the same because you're invariable. You're in the way end unless you're illegally purchasing a ticket for the home end. But no, it's, I think the difference will be, and I know that people say, oh, it's, it's never that busy at Rugby Park, but there's something about the Rugby Park crowd, certainly since Steve Clark came in when we're up against Old Firm, there's a different energy about the home crowd. I know maybe you guys don't feel, maybe guys, you guys probably sit there and laugh at the fact that we can't fill, you know, three stands. But the fact of the matter is that we're, you know, from one of the, uh, you know, a fairly small town, relatively speaking, compared to other um, towns that are representing the top flight. And we've also got the issue of Rangers and Celtic just up the road and, you know, fans kind of being drawn, even though they never actually go to Ibrox or Parkhead, but they're drawn for one reason or another to support I say the old firm, you know, it's, it's their decision, but it means that we do lose fans to that. But there's something about Rugby Park in recent history, anyway, people are playing the old firm, there's a belief and an energy, as I said, that is created by the fans. It's created by, I don't know, just like previous results. And it's probably the games that I get most kind of buzzing for is when we're playing the old firm at home because these are the big games. These are the ones, games you want to see your team. Obviously, you want to see your team win in every game, but particularly against old firm, it's just it just it just hits different, baby. And um, I think without the fans there, Kilmarnock against Old Firm. Well, they did draw an O against Celtic without the fans there, but just without the fans generally, I think it will be probably um, not as uh, difficult for Rangers as it would have been had the fans been there. I think it's fair to say. So I'm I'm, I'm predicting a narrow Rangers win, maybe one 0 or two 0 Um, nothing more severe than that. Had I probably I said the same. I'd probably put if I was a betting man, I'd probably say one 0 Rangers. Uh, I think this game is going to be massive. Like a lot's been made out of Rangers in the last couple of months. So these are the games that they need to win, and this most definitely is the game they need to win. Yeah. Um, I'm flattered. Well. I'm flattered that Kelly carry that weight. <laughs> I think not only the, just obviously it's the fact it's another three points but uh, with Celtic playing the Scottish Cup this weekend it gives Rangers a chance to go nine points clear at the top of the league obviously <laughs> with Celtic having two games in hand but I think just that's a, a massive a massive step forward for Rangers Psychologically it's huge you know points on the board are better than games in hand I know that's a cliche but Jesus nine points clear psychologically as well uh, well Exciting times if you're a Rangers fan. Torres, would that worry you if Celtic come back to SPFL action and Rangers are sitting nine points clear? Uh, the Rangers do have two games in hand. Not particularly. I think the games in hand, I think they're both at home. Am I right in saying? I know one's definitely Aberdeen at home, but I can't remember what the second one is. But... I don't think it's anything to fear being if they come back to the obviously the cup 
semi and we're nine points behind. It's just the way that the fixtures have fell. Obviously, we've had to find a way to shoehorn the Scottish Cup semi and obviously the final into this season. So I don't think it will really play really on the minds of the players, to be honest, due to the circumstances of why they're missing it. Well, I think we'll move on from the Rangers-Killing game. As I am pretty confident, Rangers will be sitting nine points clear at the top of the table at the end of this weekend. And we'll extend our unbeaten run to 16 games. And we'll start off with the Scottish Cup semi-final on Saturday. Hearts and Hibs, Edinburgh Derby. What's our predictions here? I think it's going to be a tasty game. Obviously different leagues, but I think both sides are in very good form. Mm -hmm. Different leagues, but I think think the Hearts do have a very, very good team for obviously the championship. But Hibs... I think are just playing pretty well right now. Obviously, they ground out a result against Kelly at the weekend. But, see, to be honest, if you go away to Kelly and you scrape a 1-0 win, that's a good result in my book because it's a tough place to go. It's a very tough place to go. It's the theatre of pies. That bloody carpet. Ah, baby, it's, <laughs> it's silky smooth, baby. You're out there with the sandpaper on Sunday morning, grinding uh, it off for Rangers to go and play off. Out there with the Hoover. <laughs> <laughs> well, who do we think uh, is going to win this game then? Yeah. All six of their six games this season, and only Aberdeen and Celtic have beat Hibs. So I think I got that way wrong, wrong around there. But. Nah, I think, I think Hibs will win it. Don't, yeah. obviously, you're kind of going into the unknown because you don't know how Hearts are going to play. So obviously they're finding their feet under their new manager as well, so you don't know if he's going to come in and set up to kind of nullify Hibs, or if he's going to come out and have a go. One of the ones that I think it'll be a good game because of that, because you're not really sure what to expect. Hibs both can just go and match result, get on the cooking. <laughs> I think that's a sensible bet, to be honest. Tough. I think it's a very sensible bet. And the Hardy score. Ooh. Oh, imagine Andy Halliday is an absolute stinker and he comes off in a banner. You know, like one of those big planes. Remember the big racist Burnley banner that came across against Man City? Absolutely <laughs> abhorrent banner. But the Hibs fans use that for much better means and they get a big massive banner saying Andy Halliday, Andy Halliday, Andy Halliday. And it just haunts them. And Andy Halliday at the end of the game Retires. No chance. No chance. <laughs> legend, whether he's not a heart stopper or a just top legend. Ah, that's fine. Just the right, Moving on to the repeat fixture of Celtic and Aberdeen this time at Hamden. How do we see this one go? Do you think with Celtic's recent form in recent years at Hamden that should be a comfortable win or do you think bring them a recent I think form it's a difficult? Playing it. Playing Celtic at Hamden's a kind of different entity. Obviously, game up at Petodre, you're right in the sea, blowing, blowing a gale, all sorts of weather. You're expecting a tough game, but with Hamden, with a bigger pitch, I think Celtic have to be seen as favourites. Because I think Lennon will iron out the mistakes that were made 
on Sunday there and probably set up slightly differently, but I, I can only really see a Celtic win, to be honest. I think it's going to be a tough game, but I think I can see a Celtic win. Yeah. I would think going to this, the team in form as well. But uh, yeah, I, I do find it hard to see Aberdeen beating Celtic in the semi-final at Hamden. Yeah, the odds are stacked. Against, I know it's a, a third Michael Owen comment of the night. The odds are stacked against them. <laughs> uh, they go ding, 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 ding. They go Michael Owen. Uh, I've just metamorphosized into a wee um, BT Sports. Well, he's not even employed by BT Sports. I've just metamorphosized into Michael Owen, uh, and it's as traumatic and nightmarish as you would you would think, boys. How's he on BT Sport anymore? I don't know. I heard them on. I heard he was on like some remote kind of channel. It's uh, not. That nobody on, watches. That nobody watches. Uh, does the commentary on it. I watched, sorry, we've digressed here, I know, but I watched, it was like a video of like players who are now big or who were previously big, and one of the ones was like Patrick Bamford, I think Guardiola was in one of them, but it was basically like when they were like teenagers and stuff, they were interviewed, and one of the interviews was Michael Owen, and see, as soon as that interview was done, you could probably have told, you could probably have known this boy was going to be up to be an absolute boring uh so-and-so, Jesus Christ, unbelievably boring. Anyway, I've, I've had three Michael Owen comments tonight and I'm proud of it. What would you do if Michael Owen came up here and took the Hilly, the Hilly job? I'd, I, I'd be absolutely fuming. I would not buy a season ticket. I would be like, what are you doing? What on earth are you doing? Your season ticket? No, absolutely would not. I'm absolutely not. I'm far from it. I've told you this and I'll tell you it again. I hate both sides of the old firm with a passion. What I would do if Michael Owen took the Kelly job is I would go and buy a ticket at, I don't know, like Darvel Juniors or something, you know. I'd go and support a local team um, and I would probably say, do you know what, Kelly? You've had a good ride, but Michael Owen is the last straw. Getting an off-season ticket? Oh, no chance. That would be... <laughs> You would need to go for counselling after every game of football. But having said that, big Ennis Cameron at Kelly is on loan at A United, and that was a signing that was slated by a lot of Air fans, and he scored on his debut. So it uh, just goes to show you that perhaps if you bring in players from clubs with much more history and are much bigger in size, then they might actually play quite well for you, and you might actually win something for the first time in your sad little history. I think we're we'll something. Talking about winning something, Torres, are you feeling defeated at all in terms of the league season, or do you still believe that this can be the year that Celtic went in the row? Nah, it's going to hit it with another old cliche, but it's a long season. There's plenty of football still to be played. I'd be very shocked if Rangers did not have a dip in form, so I think it's going to be swings and roundabouts, but when it the form continues the way it's going the next old term game is going to be crucial and whether the title may or may not end up but we'll wait and see I'm not worrying about it yet it's too early to start worrying about it we had a we had a wobble last October when we get beat by Levy so it's not I'm kind of used to a mid-October wobble now See the thing I've been trying to look at like obviously performance wise Celtic haven't been at their best, like clearly everybody sees that. But is it more the fact that Rangers are grinding out victories and performing well and getting clean sheets and stuff like that? Is that more on Celtic fans' minds rather than Celtic not being at their best? Because Celtic went into the old firm eight games on a, on the trot. I think they won, and like there was performances against Riga and stuff like that that they, I think we all watched it and we thought this is not a comfortable win. But 
They were winning. It's only really the last three games that they've lost two and drawn one. So is it more Rangers playing well or Celtic underperforming that you're worried about? No, it's more Celtic underperforming. Obviously, the first thing to look at is your own form. You don't worry about what your rivals are doing until you sort yourself out. I'd rather get into a better run of form and then worry about the old thumbs coming up rather than worrying about what you guys are doing right now because I think that would be a bit stupid and a bit naive to do right now. I know. That's... Yeah, a bit daft if you're a Celtic fan to have notifications on every time Rangers tweet or if you're a Rangers fan to have notifications on every time a Celtic account tweets but uh, that seems to be a bit quite a lot of daz these days seem to be doing judging by the rapidity with which they respond to any uh, tweets from either side of the old firm but hats off to them. Some life they must live, eh? Jesus. Oh, it's fucking tragic. See when you go into what club, happens when the pubs are shut. That's the first thing I do now when I see like Rangers tweet something. I'll just go through the comments and just see which Celtic dad are saying. It's chronic. There is nothing more toxic and more mind-numbing than the comment section of any football club's Twitter account. See when you go on, and it's not just old firm like across Scotland, but down south as well, when Arsenal tweet or... Liverpool tweet or Man United tweet it's just full of the worst wee guy patter in the world and all I have to say is come on boys go and get a life go and learn a language or learn how to play the guitar you've got a lot of free time obviously do something productive with it that's that's all I have to say uh, did you hear that Conor McCann because you are a Celtic da so you'll be one of them people in the comments <laughs> <laughs> uh, Conor McCann sitting there slating the Linfield account as well <laughs> So he's bottled if we turn up this week just because the Celtic are in poor form. He was on it every other week. Fair play, a fair play to Torres, by the way. He stood up and was counted when all his fellow soldiers were not. <laughs> the top on and everything. That's it. Yeah. He's not a fair weather fan, is Torres. He's, he's come when rain or when rain. When wind, rain or shine, that took a while to, to get out. I start again, Ali boy. Come wind, rain or shine, Torres is there supporting the boys in green. Exactly. And on that note, I think we'll just finish up. <laughs> <laughs> just want to remind everyone that three years ago today, Pedro Cachina was sacked. The dog barks and the caravan keeps going and it keeps going because 55 is pending. Oh, I'm going to keep this. He's I'm going to keep this for the end of the season. Ah, uh, Torres will. Uh, Truffles will edit this out if things go badly. No, he won't. On that note, cheers, boys! Another really enjoyable episode. Enjoyed that. Thanks a lot. Right, see you later, guys.